You know, as parents, God gives us the privilege of shaping not just a human being, but an eternal soul. Sharon Janes knows full well it's a responsibility that can feel overwhelming, especially when it comes to prayer and praying for our children. This Bible teacher and writer for Proverbs 31 Ministries is the author of Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe. Sharon, welcome to the Morning Conversation. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So first time having you on. And one thing that we love to do when we have a new guest on before we get to know you specifically in your situation as an author and one who ministers uh, in various ways, we wanted to get to know you as a sister in Christ and would love to hear your spiritual journey, how you came to know and love Jesus. I did become a Christian through a praying mama, hmm. but it was not my mother. Huh? It was another mother down the street from me. So that's that's very important as we're talking about this topic today about praying for our children and praying for other people's children as well. Grew up in a nice neighborhood. Dad had a good job. Mom had a good job. Had an older brother and a collie dog named Lassie. Yes, we did. So we looked like a typical (laughs) American family, but there was a big secret behind the door of our home because my father um, had a terrible drinking problem. Mm. And when my father would drink, um, he would become very violent. Stan, I grew up many nights just um, hiding in the bed, praying the yelling and the shouting would stop. Sometimes I'd hide in my closet or go get in bed with my brother just wanting it to stop. And I grew up just feeling like I just wasn't good enough. Whose home is like mine? I thought I was the only one. But God, don't you love those two words? Absolutely. But there was a a woman down the street from me. um, It was my best friend's mom. And when I was about 12 years old, I started hanging around at the Henderson's home. I love being down there, Stan, because the parents hugged and kissed around us. And there was so much love in that home. And I loved how Mr. Henderson treated his daughters. And I'd never seen that before. I wanted a daddy who loved me like that. Well, she began to tell me about a father who did love me. She shared about Jesus with me, told me about my heavenly father who loved me. I eventually shared with her what was going on in my home, even though she probably had figured it out. Mm. And honestly, Stan, I thought she was a little odd because she talked about Jesus like she knew him personally. (laughs) And that was strange to me because my family, as bad as we were, we went to church on Sunday. But what I figured out was what we had in our life was a religion, a religion, but these people had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I knew that was different. Well, when I was 14, she sat me down. This was after two years of mentoring me, going to church with them. She started a Bible study in the neighborhood for teenagers. Um, She sat me down and asked me if I was ready to accept Christ, and he did forever change my life when I said yes. We began to pray for my parents and that family. But three years after I came to Christ, my mom, through the same woman, actually, gave her life to Jesus Christ. And then three years after that, my mean old dad gave his life to Jesus, too. My whole family was transformed, really, by a praying mother, just not my mother. And that's how I came to Christ, and that's how I continued to grow all through my teenage years. We do want to dive into your your latest book here. What uh, brought you to the point of wanting to write this book? Because we see, Stan, that our kids are under attack like never before. And so now is the time to do that. And social media has just really changed um, the emotional status of our of our children and what their hearts are like and what their minds are going through. So all this, so many things that are just burdens on our kids today. And and sometimes as parents, we just don't know what, how to even handle all of this. It's, it's just so much. So one thing we can do is prayer. We can't be everywhere, but God can. Amen. Amen. So um, And as I'm talking about this, Stan, and talking about all the difficulties that are, that are attacking our children today, I want to say this, though. I mean, we're looking at what we see, but there's a whole another realm 
of what we cannot see. And scripture tells us in Ephesians, when when Paul is writing about putting on the armor of God in Ephesians 6, he says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, that is what we see. That is what we see going on. But he says your your struggle really is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So if that's where the real battle is, that's where we need to start, praying in the spiritual realm. And he also tells us again in 2 Corinthians, he says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I love that so much, Dan, when it says divine power to demolish strongholds. And when you go back and look at the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, that word divine power is really dunamis. That's where we get the English word dynamite. Now, how do you have dynamite? You have nitrogen, you have glycerin, Put them together, boom, you got dynamite. Well, when you have the word of God and you have prayer and you put those together, you've got dunamis power, dynamite power to destroy those strongholds. So that's why as we get into this, we are not just, we're praying, yes, but we are praying the word of God. So when you put those two things together, you've got dynamite power. And we can always know when we don't even know what to pray, we can know that if we're praying the word of God, we are praying the will of God. Sharon, why do we need this book? And and specifically, what I mean by that question is, powerful as prayer is, as we were just talking about, as prevalent as it's talked about in scripture, right? And, And as powerful as the promises are of God about prayer, like plenty of us parents don't pray for our kids, like really don't passionately pray for our kids. So what's the hindrance for us? You know, I think as we're called human beings and we just want to, but we want to do, we're trying to fix things in our own strength. Uh, we're trying to change our ch- our children to be the way we want them to be. We're looking at outside behavior instead of backing up and stalking and thinking about what is causing that behavior. And that is where we, we need to be praying. And I think another reason we don't pray as much is because we're so distracted. Stan. I mean, even when I, I will be honest with you, uh, and I don't think I'm the only one, but when I sit down to pray, you know, I will think, okay, I'm going to pray now. And all of a sudden, all these other thoughts start coming in my head. And I think, oh, I need to add this to my grocery list, or I need to put this on my to-do list. Oh, I really need to call so-and-so. And then I think, Lord, I am so sorry. And then I get back to the praying and those distractions just bombard me with all that we have to do. I think that's one reason this book is so powerful, because it has 16 areas that you're covering in your child's life each day. And it's like a a process that we're going through that help keep us focused during our time of prayer. So we've got this guide. And when I'm talking about a guide, you know, a pattern of prayer is what I prefer to this process we're doing. You know, Jesus had a pattern of prayer. Mm. Um, the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And what did he do? He gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. But I don't think he gave that to them and to us. It's just a rote prayer to say without thinking. I think the Lord's Prayer really was a, a pattern of prayer. First, we're going to praise God. We're going to thank God. We're going to ask him to forgive us for our sins. We're going to pray that he will provide for our daily needs. We're going to also pray to forgive others. Other people. See, it's just a process and we can actually add our own words into that process. Then we're going to you know, pray that he protect us from evil. Then we're going to praise him again at the end. So that's a pattern of prayer. And that's what we're doing in this book. And I think when we have a pattern and we make it a habit, it helps us to be able to pray more effectively and efficiently without getting distracted 
when we pray. Sharon, one of the things that you talk about in this book that I really like, and I think it's crucial that we talk about, prayer is not a means of gaining control over your children. <laughs> Would love for you to talk about that because I can just picture us <laughs> as parents going, I want this end. I want to control my kid in this way. We maybe not use those words, of course, but that's what we're saying and doing. And I'm going to pray and ask God <laughs> to do that to him them. Yeah, I would love to hear you kind of unpack that. When I wrote praying for your husband from head to toe, I mean, that's an obvious. So when we're praying for our husbands, uh, we are not praying that God will make them into the men that we want them to be, to whip them into shape and make them just like we want them to be. No, we're not praying that at all. And I made that very clear. We are praying that as we pray for our husbands, that they will be the men that God wants them to be. So when I was writing the book on children, I thought, well, is that true for our kids too? And it absolutely is. I mean, we know that we want certain things for our children and, and for salvation, that they choose a godly mate. And we know those things. But in praying for their for their who God created them to be, we need to, to take our hands off. Here's an interesting fact. God is the potter and we are the clay. Now, when it comes to parenting, sometimes I want to be the potter, right? I think all parents do. We want to shape and mold those kids who we want them to be, but we're not the potter. We are simply helping God doesn't need our help, but we are shaping and molding, but God is the main potter for this little lump of clay we call our own children. So yeah, we're we're not praying that they will be who we want them to be. We are praying that this magnificent creature that God has allowed us to shape and mold in our humble way through his guiding will be exactly who he wants them to be. Is there a rub for some of us with that? Uh, so uh, our, if we're going to be praying that uh, God would work in our kid's life to make them who he he wants them to be. There's some surrender in there. Yes, there's surrender and there's faith. And and here's a little bit of good news, too. I think that so many times parents take responsibility for how their children turn out. And um, and if you're listening today with grown kids, you are not responsible for your adult children's decisions. So that is good news for modern man right there. But um, as we do pray and we go through these 16 areas and we pray in scripture over our, our children, you can see that we're not praying our own words to what we want them to be. We're going. That's why it's so important to go right to scripture. When we pray scripture, then we are praying already what God has written is his will for our children and for anyone they're praying for, actually. Sharon, there's another quote out of your book that I absolutely loved. You talk about how it's not about being a perfect parent, like there's no perfect parents, but you talk about, but you can be a praying parent to a perfect God. That's powerful. I remember being with a group of women and we were um, in a Bible study and we were telling about some difficulties in our childhood and almost this is when I was younger. We were almost blaming the way we were because of things that happened in our past. And there was one gal in there and she started crying. She said, I had great parents and I'm still messed up. I don't have anything to blame at all. But listen, our kids are going to always um, go back and say, well, you did this and you did that. And I'm like, yep, I sure did. Because we all make mistakes and we don't do it perfectly. Um, but But God is perfect. One of the things I loved about that statement, that was one of my handful of principles or truths or concepts that I was, I hung my hope of parenting and having kids turn out the way God wants them to be. One was I wanted, by God's grace, introduce my kids to Jesus, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So that he was working in their lives far beyond what I could. And then I would help cultivate not just a saving faith, but a dynamic, a living faith. And then just entrusting them through prayer to the work of 
God who, again, can do so much more in their lives than I ever could. I love that, having parents really incorporate that concept into their parenting. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to say this to the parent who's listening, and maybe you have been praying for years, and I want to encourage you not to get discouraged. God is always working behind the scenes. And so when we feel like He's not, and we're feeling like... God, just throw me a bone. Let me see something. We can be assured he's always working. Um, I love the story of Joseph, Stan, because you see, Joseph, of course, is the 11th son. He had the coat of many colors, and he had this dream that his family, his brothers and mother and father were going to bow down to him one day, and um, he was going to lead over them. But what happened after that dream for the next 17 years did not look like God was with him. However, it says time and time, and God was with him. But think about that. That was 17 years of God doing a work before that actually happened. So as we're praying for our children, and it looks like things are going going south the whole time. I mean, think about Joseph. God has not forgotten you, but he is always working behind the scenes. And one thing I say in another book that I wrote called When You Don't Like Your Story is that God will make the pain in our meanwhile worthwhile in the end. So keep praying and don't give up. Sharon, you mentioned earlier about uh, your father. And before I let you go, I'd love to hear that story. Three years after my mom came to Christ, my dad was on the verb of a nervous breakdown. It was a business deal that had gone wrong. He was going to be taken to court and exposed for all kinds of things, I'm sure. And uh, my mom, with her business, she had a craft shop. She was at a craft show in Pennsylvania. So get this picture. We're in North Carolina. My dad gets in his car and he drives to Pennsylvania to try to find my mom. Couldn't find her at her meeting. Stopped by a church at Actually, it was a Catholic church. He was probably just looking for anything with a steeple. And he went into there and he said, I need someone to pray for me. The secretary said, well, the priest isn't here, but I know a Baptist pastor who's out in the woods building his church. Found this pastor who was out in the woods, actually, in Pennsylvania, building his church. I'm talking about hammer in his hand. And he drove up and he said, I need you to pray for me. My dad told him everything he'd ever done. And the way my dad um, explained it to me, he said, Sharon, after I told him that pastor put his arm around me. And he said, now, Alan, let me tell you what I have done. And the way my dad explained it, he said, Sharon, everything I had done, that man had done too. And I knew that if God could forgive him and he could be a preacher, then he could forgive me. So my dad accepted Christ in the woods of Pennsylvania with a man I will never know and became one of the sweetest men. I mean, that is an amazing story. But here's the thing, Stan. I always think about this. And this is one thing that really drives my ministry, too. Do you think there were other people in my small town in that church who were struggling with some of the same things? Absolutely. But nobody was talking about it. And God had to send my father all the way to Pennsylvania to find a man who would be honest with him and tell him about his struggles. You know, it tells us um, in Revelation when it says they overcame him, talking about the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Think about it. Our testimonies have so much power that they're in the same sentence with the blood of the lamb. So no wonder the devil doesn't want us telling about what we've come from and what we've done and what our struggles are, because he knows there's great power in that. So my dad gave his life to Christ, and I think it was mainly, um, of course, the Holy Spirit did it through a man who wasn't ashamed of his story, who wasn't ashamed of his scars, and told my father what God had done in his life. So my dad knew that God could forgive him too. Well, Sharon, this has been really good and really helpful. Thank you, not only for opening up and telling us your own faith story and your dad's, wow, but also for helping us to think about how to pray for our kids. Thank you so much. Have a great day.